Everybody, good to be with you this morning. Good to be back after a little bit of a hiatus that we took and uh, uh, moved into our new abode over in Belmont, which isn't that far from from where I have lived the last uh, almost twelve years. But uh, you know, anytime you move, there's there's packing and moving and unpacking and and all those types of things that have to be done, and we're still. We're still unpacking, still figuring out where we're going to stick things after we move into one house, from one house into another house, and uh, just trying to figure it all out. But we're getting there, and uh, on the home stretch in terms of having things move from the parsonage, and uh, most most things are are out of the parsonage. Maybe a, another uh, half day worth of 
different things now that we kind of know where to stick things. But anyway, Happy New Year to you. It is 2023. I trust that you had a a wonderful Christmas season. I, I uh, trust that you had a few celebrated, uh, as I've encouraged people to do, Hanukkah as well, that uh, uh, it was a learning experience for, for those of us who are not Jewish in our heritage, uh, but wanting to understand uh, what Jesus would have practiced. We we're just coming out of the season where Jesus would have participated in Hanukkah, the uh, the feast of uh, dedication uh, taking place at the temple when the, the Jewish people regained uh, possession of Jerusalem and particularly of the temple area and rededicated the temple uh, and uh, lit lights, the menorah lights, that they didn't have enough oil to light, but the Lord provided enough for eight days. At least that is the legend uh, and that is what they celebrate at Hanukkah. So, uh, and it's, Hanukkah is the time when Jesus declared, uh, "I am the light of the world." So, you know, for many of us, we've come through now uh, Thanksgiving, we've come through Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year's, four four different celebrations. Some are looking to this Friday at the celebration of Epiphany, which is the time when when they contemplate the visit of the Magi, who came perhaps as much as two years later to visit the Lord Jesus uh, and his uh, and his parents, uh, again, up to two years later. We know that because uh, of the killing of the, uh, the firstborn children, the firstborn sons in Bethlehem, uh, perhaps several hundred children killed. Uh, during that time, or at least at least a few hundred children perhaps killed uh, because Herod was afraid of some other ruler taking over uh, and becoming a king. And that's that's why Herod gave his edict that he gave. And, and so it's, it's a time of great heartache as well, thinking about uh, the death of all those children. And it was about that same time that Jesus would have been taken, Jesus and Joseph Mary, Joseph Mary would have taken Jesus and fled out into Egypt. So all those things we know, uh, and those are the things we we contemplate this time of year. Those are the things that we uh, consider this time of the year, at least in terms of practice of um, the holidays and those following any type of like a church calendar. Uh, and now we begin moving toward the, the spring of the year, uh, and we'll begin thinking about Passover uh, on the Jewish calendar, which will come around the same time as Easter. They're always the same time because Jesus was killed at uh, crucified at uh, the time of Passover, and so those two do fall at the same time. Uh, and in the church calendar, think about Lent, in the beginning of Lent, and, and uh uh, you know, the 40 days of Lent leading up to uh, up to Good Friday. So thinking about all those things, research all those things, that, that isn't our point necessarily here, other than those rhythms help us in our development of our own spiritual lives and our spiritual formation. And so we, we give thought and give pause to think about those uh, calendar events, those calendar holidays, both we think of the Jewish calendar and its impact on Jesus and how he would have been living his life 
uh, it's then it's therefore its impact on us to contemplate some of the very same things he contemplated. Uh, and then the church calendar, uh, as the church often uh, implemented things on the church calendar. No, they're, they, they, they're not biblical. They are extra biblical. Many of the holidays, Christmas is extra biblical. Uh, many of the things that we can celebrate, but there's reasons for that. The reasons why many of these holidays were put in, in, into practice in the first place was to remind Christians, uh, to remind Christians of, of the variety of different things that, that are a part of that particular holiday's focus, uh, or it was to ward off heresy, or it was to uh, uh, inform uh, and instruct and uh, enforce uh, right theology. So some of the holidays that we will celebrate or at least uh, uh, comment upon are things that uh, uh, were, were given in the church for the strengthening of the believers. Therefore, they're not a bad thing for us to practice. Now, we're going to go into Luke chapter 10 this morning. It's been, what, three weeks or so since I have done a broadcast, uh, and we're, we're picking up now in Luke chapter 10 uh, because that is about where we left off. I'm going to take you over there uh, for us to look at uh, uh, what was going on. Now, now, some of this we have covered before. So a brief recap, the, the first... Uh, well, verses, it speaks of the sending out of the 72. Now, just one thing I want to capitalize on from just referencing these verses, the idea of being sent. It wasn't just the 12 that were sent. Here now we see 72 others. And notice that it says, after the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Now, the question, one of the questions you can ask is this 72 in addition to the 12, which makes it 84, or is this rendering the Lord appointed 72 others beyond himself, which would be a total of 72? Either way, whether it's 72 or 84, uh, there is a multiplication of those who are sent out by two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he told them these words. The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, I, I just I want to comment a little bit about the sending out and the, the, the thought of multiplication of ministry. Uh, here in Maine right now, as is, is we are in this new year, there, there's at least a handful of new churches that are being uh, planted, and we should pray for those churches, one particularly in Portland coming out of um, New City Church down in Bath, Pastor Joel Littlefield uh, sending one of their elders out to plant a church in Portland. You say, why do we need their churches closing? Why are we planting churches? Oftentimes churches close because they've lost their missional edge. Uh, they they've forgotten mission for uh, tertiary things. They, you know, and, and many of the things that we do are good things. Uh, like AA, it's a good thing. But sometimes those things become the focus and not the gospel itself. And when the gospel and preaching to people and, and communicating the gospel to people and transforming lives by communicating this, the the necessity of faith in Jesus Christ alone is lost, 
the church loses its edge. And uh, so there, there are lots of churches that are closing. Now, one of the things that, that we're seeing more of, and, and it's believed that we'll see more of in this uh, coming year, are more church adoptions. What are church adoptions? Those are churches that are being adopted by more healthy churches. Uh, rather than close their doors and disperse with their resources, they are partnering up with healthy churches, and those healthy churches are creating satellite campuses uh, or are replanting within some of those uh, some of those situations. So, but why do we plant churches? Because sometimes a church has a reputation, and it's often sometimes it's not a positive reputation, or it's a reputation of oh, quite boring, or that type of a thing, uh, or it's a reputation that it has because of the infighting that's taken place uh, among them within that particular congregation, uh, and people have heard about that, and so that church it, it loses impact oftentimes, and so a new church that doesn't have the baggage. Uh, can begin and can draw and can attract new people uh, or dischurch people or or especially the idea of reaching new converts. All of this coming out of these verses where it says the Lord sent appointed 72 others, sent them out two by two, whether that's 72 in addition to Jesus or 84 in addition to Jesus, 72 plus the 12. Um, they were sent out, and the words were said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Ministry is not easy. It has its challenges. Trust me, it has its challenges. Do not take purse or bag or sandals. Do not greet anyone on the road. Whenever you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. We call these houses of peace or a household of peace. And oftentimes, planting churches around the world, you're looking for a home that would say, look, I'm willing to have you come in and do Bible studies, evangelistic Bible studies, and I'll open my home for that purpose. And so some of you might say, that's what I want to do. I'll invite my neighbors. You know, Moving into a new neighborhood, now, one of the things that I know that Wendy and I need to get to uh, is to have a block party, if you want to call it that, uh, but a neighborhood party and have a party at our house and invite neighbors and have a barbecue. And what's the point? The point is to uh, eventually be in a place to communicate Christ. Uh, and anybody can do that. You don't have to be a pastor to do that. You can say, I'm going to invite my... Some of you have invited, I've been there, some of you invited friends to grand parties at your houses, and they've been phenomenal. And to learn, who are those people could you ask to say, would you come to my home for the next six months or the next two months, the next three months? We're going to have a Bible study. And it's a Bible study for people who maybe aren't believers and have questions. <clears throat> That's the point even of, of something called the Alpha Course that we've talked about in the past, things that we need to get to. Perhaps some of you would be that person of peace that would say, I will open up my home to other people that they as well might hear the gospel. So the person of peace talked about here in Luke chapter Luke chapter 10 says this, stay in that house eating and drinking whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a house, you're welcome. Eat what is set before you. Uh, heal the sick. 
who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to your feet, we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom is near. And so, I mean, Jesus paints the picture that there will be resistance. There will be rejection. Uh, it isn't all going to be pie in the sky. It, all, it, it isn't all going to be just readily welcomed. There will be people who who will uh, who re- will reject your message, and, and the message is the same, whether it's the people who accept the message or the people who reject the message. The kingdom of God is near, and and that is the message that we have to bring to other people. The message is near. Now, it, within this passage, the next section, and we're not going to go back and rehash all of these things. There, there were the woes to the unrepentant cities. Uh, we we looked at the return of the seventy-two earlier. Uh, prior to Christmas, it says the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. That's reference to Psalm 91, which is the soldier's psalm. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven to to remember these things and uh, to remember that, that we rejoice uh, not in spiritual authority, not in spiritual power, but but that we are children of God because of the drawing effect uh, of the Holy Spirit upon us, drawing us to be children of God. And, and our names are written in heaven so that when we breathe our last, we will be with Jesus. Verse 21 says this, at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. Now, you notice he goes from prayer to the Father right into teaching. And to learn how to weave prayer uh, someone called me the other day, uh, and they were going on about the challenges and difficulties of life, and, and really, really definitively challenging situation that they're in. And uh, then and they were talking to me. They're leaving a, a, a voice message on Messenger. But then as they're talking to me, they began talking to Father, which is even better. Uh, and for us to learn how to be able to weave in and out of prayer, uh, there, there was a dear older couple. Uh, notice I didn't say old couple. I said older couple. Uh, he was pastor of the Searsmont, not Searsmont, Searsport Full Gospel Church. His name was, uh, oh dear, Helen Gall. I'm just dropping his name. Pastor Gall. And anyway, we. one of them was having cancer treatments. Cliff, and we we would travel. We would some of us would take them to their cancer treatments uh, up in Brewer, which is oh you know half hour forty minute drive, probably probably a forty minute drive actually uh, up to Brewer and spend the time with them during the treatments and whatnot. And we'd be talking with them, and as we're driving along, talking. Next thing you know, they're off praying out loud for somebody that lives in that house over there and their situation. And, and they'd weave right back into conversation with us. And then next thing you know, they're off praying to Father again, public, uh, verbally, uh, 
out loud. Uh, and then weave right back into the conversation. Friends, that is the type of conversation that we need to learn how to have with the Father. To be able to weave in and weave out. Just I've done that, I think, probably here in these broadcasts. But to live in the place, to live in the spot where, where we have that type of relationship with the Father, like we see here, Jesus weaving into prayer, verse 21, Luke chapter 10. Then the next thing he says in verse 22, he's now uh, speaking to the disciples. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father. No one knows who the Father is except the Son and those whom the, fa- whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Friend, if you are a follower of Christ today, rejoice that the Father was pleased to reveal the Son to you. If you have not yet in your life turned to Christ, if you have not yet in your life uh, said to Jesus, be my Savior, I I want to encourage you to make that your prayer this morning. And then maybe even here in the comments to say, I made that my prayer. Uh, I'm not talking about going to church. I'm not talking about uh, even religious practices. The, The key question The operative question is this, what have you done with Jesus? Have you acknowledged him? He is my Savior. Have you surrendered yourself to him? Uh, Are you saying to him, Lord, be my Lord. Call the shots in my life. I I surrender my life to you. John 1.12 says, For as many as received him, even to those who believed in his name, he's given them the right to be called children of God. So I just encourage you, if you've never made that your, your step, take that step today. If, if you're prompted to take that step, you're prompted to take that step because it's the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart prompting you to do so. So I encourage you, take that step. Trust in Christ and then rejoice that you're, as Jesus instructed earlier here in this passage, as he told them in verse Verse 20, do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven because of faith. You can know unequivocally, absolutely, that you are a child of God if you have trusted in Christ. In fact, let me take you back to 1 John chapter 5. I just want you to see uh, these these verses in John chapter 5. Let me get down there so I can... Show you verses, First John chapter five, verses ten, eleven, and twelve. Anyone who believes, oops, didn't get you there yet. Here we go. Anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. Anyone who does not believe in the Son of, uh, believe the God. Try to let me read the whole thing over again. I butchered that. Anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given about his son. This is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. 
Verse 13 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. You may know. You have every confidence of knowing that you are a child of God. You're a child of God because of your faith in Jesus Christ. I'll take us back into Luke. I'm not going to go as far. Uh, Luke chapter 10. We talked about them returning with with all the joy. Uh, We talked about Jesus saying to them in verse 20, don't rejoice that the demons submit to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And I want to just highlight one more thing before I I call it a morning with you here. Verse 21, at that time, Jesus full of what? Notice what it says right here. This word joy. At that time, Jesus full of joy through the Holy Spirit said, I praise you. What was his joy over? I, I think his joy was over ministry fruitfulness. I really think that's what it was. I think he had joy uh, over the fact the disciples were getting it. Uh, I think he had joy because of ministry multiplication, uh, not not just simple joy because you know the shepherd's pie at the potluck turned out good. That's all well and good, but the the joy of ministry multiplication, friends. Right now, the question I'm asking for myself is, you know, what in ministry? do I do and do I give myself to that will multiply the most? We need to think in those terms. What will bring the greatest fruit? What will bring the greatest return? Uh, And for us to be thinking about that and to have joy uh, in our service to the Lord, to have joy in our fruit bearing for the Lord. We are called to bear fruit. How will you bear fruit? How will I bear fruit? And friends, I I will suggest to you that... uh, you know, uh, fruit brings joy. I, I, I will tell you that uh, I, I will tell you that that there was joy on uh, New Year's Eve day, uh, and I'll, I'll share this last little tidbit with you. Uh, some of us were were working diligently, some even more diligently than, than Wendy and I, uh, at uh, uh, raising funds for Fairhaven Camp out in Brooks that over the years probably has seen uh, thousands, I don't think that's an exaggeration, thousands of people, thousands of children in particular come to faith in Christ uh, and has been responsible for a lot of marriages and and, and a lot of spiritual firsts. And uh, this last fall, camp was in a kind of a challenging place and... uh, some people suggested that there would be a uh, a matching drive, and there were two donors that came forward to each give. Said we'll match up to hundred thousand dollars each. That's two hundred thousand uh, dollars. And by the time it was all said and done, the goal became six hundred thousand dollars. And at about four o'clock on Saturday afternoon this past week, uh, we. Past the threshold of six hundred thousand, I, I think probably going to be closer to six and a quarter by the time it's all said and done. That were raised for Camp Fairhaven. That's fruitfulness, friend. 
Uh, yeah, you say that you're, you're attaching it to money, but it's money for ministry, and that's fruitfulness. And, and I'll tell you, there was joy. Now, we need to continue raising funds for Fairhaven Camp. We need to continue raising funds for Veracity Chapel. Uh, our last two weeks here have been quite lean with the holidays, and uh, we need to continue raising funds. Why? So we can bear fruit. Uh, doing the Bible college. Pray as I get back underway and back to work there as well raising funds, uh, that we might bear fruit. Friends, let's put ourselves where we will bear fruit personally by pointing people to Christ through our personal lives. Let's put ourselves where we will bear fruit uh, uh, in partnership in ministry. Pray that Veracity Chapel be fruitful. Pray that uh, uh, the Daily Discipleship Podcast will be fruitful. Pray that Camp Fairhaven will be fruitful. Pray that the New England Bible College and Seminary will be fruitful. Pray that you'll be fruitful. Lord, hear our prayer that we bear fruit, fruit that will bring you glory and fruit that will bring us joy. Help us to be fruitful for Jesus' sake. In Jesus' name, amen. And all God's people said amen. Have a great day, everyone. I will see you again tomorrow.